Welcome to our weekly tech review, where we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with, the, with, with what is important to know right now. With me today, I have Vincent from Upday and Henrike from Free Tech Academy and myself. Hi, I am Tarek from Ideas Engineering. You can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts while you work out, drive or maybe even travel through space. So let's jump into the news and today we will start with the latest from Henrike. And the latest from space again. <laughs> Because we didn't have that in Long a while. Long time ago, that, yes. That is true. Yeah, in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Um, yeah, so uh, I brought an article about a new robot um, that has been developed for space exploration. Um, it is an origami-like robot, so that actually <laughs> catched my attention, as you know. <laughs> Yet another example, and it's a shape-changing uh, robot called Mori 3. Um, as I already said, the robot can change its shape, move around, interact with objects and people, and it combines the idea from the ideas from digital polygon meshing and swarm behavior that can be found in biology. Um, the Mori 3 can morph from 2D triangles um, into various 3D objects. Um, so the biggest advantage of this robot is that it's pretty versatile in its uh, uh, shape, form, behavior and everything. Um, I think if you scroll down, there is a video coming up um, where you can also see the how these triangular modules, how they're assembled and disassembled, like that's working quite easily, um, how they attach themselves to each other and then communicate um, in that way. Um, yeah, so the Mori 3 is especially designed to fit into spacecraft where you do not have the space to store like specialized robots or different specialized robots because um, it's simply not, you know, enough, um, enough space or room there. So that's when this one should come, come in. And yeah, there you see it in action. And that I think... Is pretty amazing I, it is I, I also if you just see the triangle you're like okay yeah whatever yeah. but if you see then how they assemble themselves <laughs> to each other so for all our listeners who can't see the screen right now um this this robot is basically built up of uh, several segments which can mm -hmm. probably assemble themselves into uh, like different combinations, right? Yeah. Uh, so that they can form a robot in a different uh, shape. And it reminds me of science fiction where you see these nanites, where you have these microscopic robots that can assemble themselves to something bigger than like an Iron Man suit or something like that, right? Yeah. So this, this is once again a pretty cool sci-fi advancement. Also, like how it's moving to the side and then you can picture it like on if you put it on Mars or whatever, and it can pretty easily, I guess, also climb over rocks and like un yeah. unstable territory because it's it's that versatile and uh, flexible. This is also quite cool example of how you can uh, steer it um, as a human, like how you want, want it to act. 
I'm yeah. doing all these movements that nobody can see <laughs> if you just listen to us, but maybe switch to YouTube and, and we watch can us. They're great. We can promise they're great, yes. And this, Henrique, this I found is a cool like visualization of how you can yeah. imagine these uh, forms um, working then. Right, and this is right. what I wanted to ask, Enrique. Can you say a few more words maybe about the assembly? Does it need a solid, solid surface? Or is this something that we could potentially also see it just in space without having a surface to rely on? Yeah, because I mean, you saw... Um, yeah, I mean, that's the question. I think that's the aim and that should be possible. Obviously, in the material that is in the video, you see how they are on a surface, like moving towards each other and then assemble or connect themselves and then start, you know, like building up and start moving. Uh, but it looks like this can also work on like... Um, I don't know, a rocket floor. I mean, it it with looked like, like they had their own motors, right? So take yeah, yeah, as they long as there is each one. Each move individually, yeah. yeah. And then connect and become one and then can disassemble again mm -hmm. and become separate So maybe parts. in orbit or somewhere, this is also an option. Absolutely. And this is also then why it's uh, great to put it into spacecrafts where there's not so much storage space because you can just put like as many of these triangles as you need. Um, put in there and kind of stack them, I guess, and then put them out and they assemble themselves. Yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. we just de disassemble the rocket built with these <laughs> to, to then do anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, right now it's, it's all science fiction, but it really sounds like the beginning of this multi-purpose robotic application where you have this robot. Let's imagine these uh, these triangles become smaller and smaller and you have a robot in a humanoid form helping you as an assistant or something and then it can disassemble itself and reassemble as like a space rover or something and then you can drive on it uh, through certain terrains or maybe it's like an arachnoid <laughs> walking like a spider through rocky terrains or something where you don't can where you can't use wheels And, and these things and then it can like five of those can re reassemble themselves into a, a hut where you can live in <laughs> yeah very nice or or of course <laughs> of course <laughs> what sure. else finally you're mentioning right. it what Because we all thought <laughs> if it is then controlled by artificial intelligence we all know what is going to happen in the long run <laughs> Now we need yeah, to Alex to, to, to tell Sarah Connor to hide us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True, no, but, but it's, it's really cool. And what I really love in these articles is that it's not like a science, scientific paper where someone says, oh, we could potentially build this. Uh, but for everyone who actually saw, uh, see, sees the podcast right now on video, we have seen videos of the prototypical application. Uh, so these things are already existing and they are already doing what uh, the scientists are promising. So this is not not theoretical anymore. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to see the practical applications of this. And not only in space, but I'm sure that these things are also going to be applied at uh, ter terrestrial use cases. <laughs> and now, pay attention. And now, this. Hey. I upgraded my soundboard. Uh, we missed it. 
<laughs> All right, so let's continue with my article about the Apple Apple's Vision Pro SDK, which is now available, and in-person developer labs launch next month. Apple's Vision OS software development kit SDK for the Vision Pro headset is now available, even though uh, the, the Vision Pro is not uh, for sale yet. Um, the SDK allows third-party developers to build content for the headset before its official release in early 2024. And Apple hopes that developers' interest will drive excitement around the system. The SDK is built on familiar dev tools like Xcode, SwiftUI, RealityKit, ARKit, and TestFlight. So if you are already an Apple developer or like an iOS developer, then you are very familiar with all the tools and the, the SDKs that you need to get started with uh, Vision OS development. And Apple aims to lower the barrier of, of, of entry for existing developers and encourages porting existing software to the new platform. Apple introduces Reality Composer Pro, making it easier to preview 3D models, images, sounds, and animation for the headset. And Unity development tools will be added next month, addressing the absence of gaming experiences in the original presentation. And this is true. We, I, I was thinking about that if this was on purpose, because they did not want to enter like the same turf as uh, the Quest and the already existing platforms, which are mainly targeted to gaming content and gaming uh, uh, users while the the vision pro um, looked like productivity and entertainment focused yeah um, but obviously they say okay unity comes next and then they are all also going to uh, support game development um, Apple plans to open developer labs in several cities to provide access to the hardware for testing, and enterprise applications are expected to be a key focus for the Vision Pro headset, and collaboration and design decision-making uh, capabilities are highlighted as significant benefits of the Vision Pro for manufacturers and stakeholders. And in these uh, development centers, um, Apple is going to uh, build like testing grounds where, where development teams can come in and test their applications that they build off-site then directly on the device. And is, if, if I read it correctly, um, they will also hand out like for rent uh, headsets, which um, the, the companies or the teams can then take uh, for, for um, like a limited time uh, to test and development, uh, test and develop um, their software. Um, but right now it is all like uh, very far away from the real delivery of the headset, which will come next year. And obviously Apple is planning for the release, when this thing is then actually go going into the first consumer hands, to have a huge um, like source of apps already ready for deployment. And I, I always talk about the magic leap whenever we talk about um, the, the Apple headset, but it was the same thing back then in 2018, uh, where they released this thing first for the developers so that they can then start developing apps. Because it's very sad if you pay, in this case, like what was it, $3,500, mm -hmm. and then you only have five apps to, to be installed. This is Plus very tech. sad. Yeah. Plus taxes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so but it is. Those, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to say it's, it's probably a smart course um, to open up now uh, for the developers. Um, and it would not have been possible to start this process without the announcement of, of the headset on the WDC. Mm -hmm. I will, I'm just wondering when you say those development centers um, where people can go to, is that plan to be international? So is there. 
is it just in the US or is there also going to be one in Germany, um, mm -hmm. UK? Europe yes, uh, there general. is um, the the article actually gives us a list and it says uh, Cupertino Munich, okay. in right <laughs> Cupertino in California, London in England, Munich in Germany, Shanghai, Singapore, and Tokyo. Those will be All the right. first developer labs. I could imagine that they are going to open more, but this is probably um, the the first bunch that they are going to equip with their hardware, and probably it's like the the places where most um, of the developer hubs are located. Tarek, um, what I really like, I mean, I really love that Apple is putting out this kit so that we can start working on our new apps for this. Um, I, I think it's a bit unfortunate because obviously we know that just because they're launching this, it does not mean that uh, all of it will be available to us soon. And I just had the discussion here at work at Update because Update has an iOS app and mm -hmm. as people who know me in my private life know I recently <laughs> bought an Apple Watch and uh, so now obviously I'm hunting <laughs> for the best apps on Apple Watch uh, which means that we need a watch OS app so my question back then was how difficult is to convert an iOS app into a watch OS app um, just because I know that um, the form factor might be different and we saw on the iPad, but that's running iOS as well, that this is very easily possible. I mean, it is iPad OS now. However, iPad OS is just basically something for Apple to distribute features in a different way while it still runs on an iOS kernel. And my question is, um, just because I know it, it was, I was told it is kind of difficult to go from iOS to watch OS. What do you think? How difficult, like you as a full stack developer, um, how difficult is it actually uh, from, say, an successful iOS app, a successful iOS app or a successful Mac OS app or watch OS app? How difficult is it to go from there with Apple's like, help and all based on Swift to uh, Vision OS? Yeah, of course, I can't talk, uh, speak out of like personal first-hand experience because I have never had um, this device in my hands. Um, I could imagine that on the one hand, it will be fairly easy because they are going to support all of their existing um, uh, tools. So if you develop your, your system already on Xcode or for example, in 3D on the AR kit for mobile AR application, then porting it to the, the new device might be fairly easy. Uh, one thing that we always have to keep in mind is, um, for example, the energy consumption, because um, operating this new device um, on this new, what was it, the uh, uh, battery pack, which only lasts two hours. Two hours um, you, on a full charge. I think, right, right. The, the, the first edition will have like two hours of charge. Um, so you need to be quite careful what you are going to um, to run on this. Um, so if you are literally having a mobile game, um, that you are having on the iPhone and you want to move it uh, to this new device, you might uh, want to make it as efficient as possible. So it might be easy to move it to this new platform, but moving it efficiently so that it runs as you expect it and won't kill the device within 10 minutes or so, uh, these optimizations might be um, the, the most uh, hard one. But as I said, this is like my speculation, what I expect uh, to happen. Um, but as Apple usually um, 
is doing in terms of uh, portability. I could imagine that they had this in mind when they designed the system. Um, and so there will probably a lot of stuff that is reusable um, from, from the previous editions. Or as I said, as, especially if you already work with Unity or ARKit for 3D modeling. Okay. Yeah. All right. And now this. So let's continue with Vincent. TikTok, exactly. Yeah, so this article is about TikTok and they're not giving up on affiliate. It is crazy what they're trying to do. Um, they, they, I think the potential comes from, like what they see, the potential of what TikTok is seeing is Doujin in China where, uh, where affiliate is a huge revenue stream ultimately now. Uh, there and this is why they're pushing into the western market they did try it with just on board shop and saw the same results as instagram which were that customers didn't really like love it and i mean i think that's also very common here in europe but not only in the united states so now in this time they're trying it in europe they started in the uk and in the uk there was something a new section of the app called trendy beat and trendy beat is something extremely i find extremely smart uh, which is explained in the article um tiktok is scanning for scanning its own app and the content created on there based on specific kpis for trending products then tiktok operates currently operates a completely ByteDance own company for affiliate, for shopping, for merchandising, and for shipment. That company is based in China. That company acquires trending products on the app in the name of TikTok and sells it to customers in the TikTok app. And I, th I find this extremely clever, but I do find it also extremely dangerous and intimidating because TikTok has all this data, right? All this data. They're not sharing. Okay, so far so good, right? They're, they're keeping it with them themselves. But they're taking this data to then analyze what's really trending right now. What kind of... What, what kind of plastic, I don't know, fix your life DIY kind of solution to get cat hair off you know, your clothes <laughs> or anything like that is currently trending. No, they see that. And then they buy big amounts of like huge amounts of this product and then sell it under, with a extreme price decrease. They're trying to undersell everyone who's selling these on the market at that time to, to move people into the TikTok app. Two major ideas are behind this, also mentioned in the article. Number one is that TikTok heavily tries to get just these kind of shopping experiences into their app. And the reason for that is because they have not only TikTok, but they also have another app that's also mentioned in the article a bit below, um, currently in the US, that also is trying to do uh, affiliate and is trying to sell hard hard products to customers in the US. So TikTok slash ByteDance, like in a global strategy is really trying to bring these products into the market. That's number one. And number two is that they failed already once. So now they want to make the case that this is a viable opportunity for for business owners to, 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 to connect to the customers. So they need a best case. And if they don't find one that is doing it right, they're doing it themselves. This is why they're doing it. So Trendy Beat, it's available in the UK. If anyone is listening or watching in the UK, you, you might have this feature specifically when you're on uh, on test flight. 
um, or the beta version on Android. Uh, and yeah, we'll see if it's going to be rolled out to the rest of Europe. Uh, but I find it extremely smart and again, extremely intimidating as well. Yeah, but this is this is something that I always keep an eye on because we had this discussion for a long time about the mon the capability of monetizing short form content while it is booming everywhere and we see this big battle of uh, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, and of course the big player uh, TikTok while nobody was back then profitable yet, and I don't know if they are already profitable profitable. Um, each in this in their own niche with their experiments with advertising and uh, th their their uh, at the same time monetization capabilities for their users but having like buying and selling um, like their own stuff on their app based on their their uh, analytics data or like promoting it uh, based on the analytics data might be uh, another way to finally uh, solve this problem yeah does this article say anything about um, their estimations if this is going to be a cash cow or um, if this is really just a blind experiment to to make money um, I think it is kind of both. So TikTok uh, or slash more ByteDance is operating a lot of apps um, also outside of China. Um, mm. And all of them are kind of related to what they're doing in China. In China and in China, ByteDance is seeing a huge bump in revenue via uh, affiliate. Uh, so uh, as far as I understand, it's both. They really want to try to move customers more into the direction of their product strategy globally. And uh, they also try it as an experiment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, sorry, go ahead. Just like a really a side comment, but Vincent now said China, I think three or four times. Oh. And oh, I thought sorry. even earlier yes. on soundboard. <laughs> Wait for it. China, 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 China. China. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that you. Is true. I still have to automate. I mean, we, we now have the soundboard, I can press the button, but even better it will be uh, when I automate this and whenever like the microphone or like my listener uh, hears uh, the, the word China, it should automatically fire this event. I, I As you said, I'm a full stack developer, I have to implement this. <laughs> <laughs> Next feature. Yeah. Right, comes to the, goes to my list. <laughs> Where were we? Uh, yeah, side comment. Um, right. And and of course, yeah, uh, you said um, UK lounge, uh, very interesting. But we as European citizens, uh, for us, it will be very interesting as well if this new feature or product is going to be launched in Europe. Because we all know Europe is kind of special when it comes to innovation and new products, especially if they are um, like analytics based. <laughs> So let's see if uh, Trendy Beats will hit Europe. I am also excited uh, that specifically Europe was picked for this. But I think actually that like from a legal perspective, um, my gut feeling would tell me that actually TikTok is quite in what they, I mean, it's within their own app with content that like analytics they can make. And they are just selling via a Hong Kong operated company. So it is not like there are any, as far as I understand, any specific embargoes on these. So I think that's just a really clever move. If it works out, that's just a really clever move. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if they then manage to establish it in Europe first, which is, as Tarek 
implied, you know, like the most difficult one, then it's, you know, it's, it's easier to roll it out somewhere else as well. Yeah, that is probably. true. And probably in the first run, nobody's going to challenge it. But if their, their um, selling model is as successful as their content model and their algorithm, uh, and they start like becoming more successful as Amazon and killing like all all the the merchants in in Europe, uh, then they probably will start hunting for them with their uh, like what's the English word cartelamt. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's all a question of how much is it a uh, monopole, right? How much mm -hmm. is it just one player? And I mean, we saw that if anybody, I don't know, if anyone who's listening, who did listen, I'm pretty sure that Tyke at least did that. If you reinstalled a clean version of Windows 7 and you put in the latest, like I think Service Pack 1 back then, uh, Windows 7 showed you a selection of browser um, of browser options to choose from, Opera, Chrome, Edge. It wasn't Edge back then, I'm sorry, it was Internet Explorer, yeah. and these kind of things. And that was because Microsoft lost a big battle against other, and Firefox, of course, uh, against yeah. other browser uh, operators because it said, even though it is all within the Microsoft and Windows environment, it is so, they're so powerful with this that um, actually they also need to show other options because otherwise they will just, as a monopole, just get rid of everybody else. And we will see if this is happening here. But I think that TikTok has a better case to make because Microsoft, obviously, with Windows is just a really – is so big that in the end, even though we may here in Berlin – uh, experience that a lot of people have a Mac uh, around the globe. A lot of people have Windows operated yeah. computer, and so this is not comparable to TikTok. Even though they have a big market share, there are other really heavy players dipping into this market with YouTube, with TikTok, uh, with Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snap, and a lot of others. So I think that TikTok has a much better case to make, saying that they're far away from a monopole when it comes to in in app shopping and analytics yeah that that is true um but we know how how powerful tiktok yes. is and so <laughs> let's have this conversation again in like three or six months <laughs> yeah, well, i mean maybe maybe it doesn't even take off and then we don't uh, but yes let's look at right, that right all right yeah that's it for today uh thank you so much for all your contributions uh talk to you next week bye